All right, I will say good morning, good morning. We have a lot to do today, Baruch Hashem. Exciting, exciting Gemara. Let us begin by thanking our sponsors. To thank all of our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Nisan. To thank Jerry and Happy Alba Applebaum for dedicating all the Shuman Joshos this month in memory of Basia Baschaim and David Ben Avram. To thank Drs. Paul and Linda Weinberg for dedicating all the Shiurim. This month, in memory of Mordechai Yoshua, Ben Peretz, Moshe, Valea, Miriam, to thank Paul and Kathy Pollock for dedicating all the shiurim. This month, in for Kathy's sister, Donna Baker Matson, to thank Stephen Terry Zinn for dedicating all the shiurim this month in honor of the birth of their grandson, Bodim Tzvi Hirsch, to thank Naftali Tilson for dedicating all the shiurim this month with gratitude to his chaver Benjamin Wall and with wishes for kosher to the entire shir and to thank Avram Mishayn Nikalman for dedicating all the shiurim this month. Commission of the yards, I have Avram's mother, Sarah Braina Bas Yoshua Heschel. In the merit of our Talmud Torah, all of the Nishamas will have an aliyah and the families in the Chamrabos. So with that, let us begin. We have a lot to do today. Today's daf is Lamed Hey. We are picking up Emir Hashem on Lamed Dalit on the base, and we left off with following. Bemaikamiflagi. Both say, what are they arguing about? 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, about 19, 20 lines up from the bottom. Bemaikamiflagi. Suppose we had a drusha of ultimately the Pasik of. of of the Pasuk was, that ultimately when there's contact with Zerah, both man and woman will have to go to the Mikvah. So we had two different opinions as to what is coming to exclude. One opinion said it's coming to exclude a Kalo, and the other opinion said, Rabbi Huda, the other opinion said it's coming to exclude Bia Shaloki Darko. Says Rabbi Michael Miflugi, Rabbanan Sarvi Shechva Zerah Pratla Ara, Shechva Zerah comes to exclude Ha'ara, we'll say Ha'ara means. Well, for our purposes, we'll define it as penetration without any zera. So just penetration by itself without zera will not generate a mikvah obligation. Osa, the word osa, prat l'shaloki darko, ultimately comes to exclude a case of bia shaloki darko. Rabbi Yehuda says, shaloki darko v'arav v'shif v'azera nafko. Rabbi Yehuda learns out the exclusion of bia shaloki darko and ha'ara from the phrase from the phrase Shikhvas Zera, Osa Praklakala, and Osa comes to exclude a kala. So we'll say these are all cases where there is a form of Bia, but not the form of Bia that Allah would generate an immersion obligation. We'll say comes along Rabbi and name Rabbi Yochanan, any woman who waited ten years after the death of her husband to go ahead and by the way, I said death of her husband. It doesn't have to mean death. It could mean in the event of divorce as well. The idea is that any woman who waited 10 years to go ahead and get remarried, ultimately, again, will not become pregnant again. Now, I will say, this seems to be one of these facts, again, that, that the Yimar is quoting, kind of like one of the facts of, of that a woman doesn't become pregnant from the first Bia. So once again, we go back to the Machlokis, no Debi Yehuda, and the Marisham from yesterday, which is na- namely that what? Either again, according to Nodavi Huda, this is a rove, this is what Chazal observed happened most times, or second possibility is that that ultimately, again, this is something that did occur in the past, but physiological changes occurred. So the Gemara says, says, This is true only if women didn't have intention to get remarried. But if after the death or divorce of her husband, she always had intention to get remarried, the Gemara says, She has the ability to become pregnant. Okay, and, and, and interesting, again, I will say, this is not like a hashkafic or metaphoric idea. This is what Chazal are observing 
were the physio- physiological realities. So said to the daughter of Rav Chista. Now remember again, the daughter of Rav Chista was Rava's wife. But this was a second marriage for this woman. So what happened? The rabbis are whispering about you. Why? Because apparently the wife of the wife of Rav Chista was previously married to Rami Barchama. And what happened? Her husband passed away, and it was ten or more years until she married Rava. And what? She became pregnant. She became pregnant. So what's going on over here? So Amrale Ana Datai Allah Habi. So she said, I always had in mind to marry you after my husband passed away. Right? It's actually according to the Mara Basra. There was a, there's a whole interesting story that occurred regarding her about when she was a young girl. There was some type of illusion that she was going to marry both of these men over the course of her life. But the point, so what's like, what comes out according to the Gemara is what the Gemara is saying is like this. When a woman gets divorced or widowed and she has no intention to remarry for 10 years, apparently the fertility window closes. But Lamaisa, if she had in mind to get married during that time, or going to see if she had relations during that time, then halacha Lamaisa, the fertility window remains open. The Gemara tells a story. There was a woman who came before Rav Yosef. Rabbi, I was widowed or whatever, divorced for 10 years. I, right, I didn't have, I didn't, I wasn't married after my husband passed away or divorced for 10 years. And yet I got remarried and had children. It seems to disprove the statement of Chazal. I both listen to this. My daughter, please do not cast dispersions on the words of the sages. And I both say, this is actually very interesting. Yosef was saying to her, be honest, be honest. She said, you know what, I had relations with a non-Jew. In other words, the idea was that, see, what seems to be coming out of this is that either if a woman does not engage in intimacy or ultimately, again, has no intentions to remarry, the fertility window closes after 10 years. But if she either, A, has in mind to get remarried or B, engages in relations, the fertility window remains open. Okay, I will say once again, once again, Gemara's like this where Chazal are stating scientific facts or physiological, biological facts are based, again, either according to the Nod Huda on Rov, the majority cases of what they've seen, or Halach HaLamaisa, reality of Nishtana HaTeva, that physiological changes occur over time. Good. Amr Shmuel. So we'll say, jumping back to the Mishnah for just a moment, for Kulon, Srichos Lahamtin Shlosha Chadashim. Yabose, again, remember we saw in the Mishnah. Oh, sorry. We saw in the Mishnah about the concept of waiting three months. Remember again, going back to our Mishnah that we saw in Shabbos' daf. Remember, you have the two brothers, or two, two right, two, two, we'll call them two brothers or two men who married two sisters. The case evolved in the Mishnah itself. And then remember again, there was a, there was a mix-up. When they discover the mix-up, and each woman is restored to her proper husband, there's an obligation to wait for three months in order to ascertain who's pregnant from who, or if anyone is pregnant from who. We're going to continue now in this sugi a little bit. So Shmuel said, the cool on all of the, all women, all of these women, have to go ahead and wait three months. Now I was saying, we're going to see this concept of waiting three months, what we'll call havchana, Havchana is a din in general whenever a woman is transitioning between relationships because we need to know ultimately, again, whose child is who. So the Gemara suggests that this applies to every woman except Chutz, Migiores, a convert, Mishukhreres Kitana. 
So we'll see what this sounds like is a minor girl who converts, or ultimately again a minor girl who is emancipated. So apparently, again, a minor convert or a minor emancipated servant do not have to wait. But a kitana bas Yisrael, a, a, a minor Jewish girl, is obligated to go ahead and wait three months. So, we'll say, so what's the case? Right? What's, in other words, when we, say, when we say ultimately, again, that they have to wait three months, that sounds like they're coming off a previous marriage. So what's the case? Ubemai. If we're talking about a kitana, so now you're telling me that a, a Jewish girl, so let's say a Jewish girl was, mar- was, was married off, right? Married off either by her father or by her mother or her brother. So married girl is, is mar- a, young, a, minor mar- a, a minor girl is married off. Now, she's coming off of that first relationship. Excuse me, the is she has to wait three months. How is she coming off that previous relationship? So we'll say, so remember again, if it's a case of where the, or the brother or the mother married her off, remember again, that is a rabbinic marriage. Because it's a rabbinic marriage, it could be dissolved through mion, simple refusal to continue on with the relationship. But yet Shmuel said that in the case of mion, there is no obligation to wait three months. There's a reason why you don't have to wait after Miun for three months. Why? Because Rabbi Osai, who's the only type of girl who's capable of doing Miun? A Kitana. And we assume that a Kitana cannot become pregnant. So because of that, if she's dissolving a marriage through Miun, ultimately there should be no waiting obligation. Vi'ibiget. And if she's getting divorced with a get, if she's getting divorced by a get, then what? Ha'amr Shmuel, Chadazimna. And I will say, this is actually very interesting. Listen to this case. So you have a girl who is married off to a man by her mother or her brother. Right? A specific circumstance, there's no father in the picture. Mother or brother have the ability to marry her off. But what's the nature of that marriage? So Shmuel says like this. If she dissolves the marriage through Mion, there is no need for waiting three months. If, however, he gives her a get, there is a need to wait three months. Why the distinction? It's the same kitana. Right? It's the same kitana. So it's actually very interesting. Because when he gives her a get, there's a concern that if we don't make her do miyun, people will confuse this with what? The, the case of an adult woman who receives a get. Right? So in order to not have any kind of confusion, if a kitana is divorced with a get, she still has to wait three months lest you confuse that with the case of the Gidola who is divorced with a get. But when a Ketana leaves the marriage because of Mion, she doesn't have to wait three months. Why not? There's no concern of confusion. Why is there no concern of confusion? Because there's no such concept of Mion by a Gidola. The concept of Mion only applies in a situation ultimately of Ketana. Incredible. So the Gemara says, Elabiznos. So it must be that what are we talking about? A case of znos. We're literally, again, a woman engaged in a non-marital act of relations, right? A case of znos. We know that she committed act, and now again she wants to get married. We say, fine, but you have to wait three months to make sure that you're not pregnant. So I will say, And I will say, the Chazal said, Chazal said, that even in a case, ultimately, again, of Kitana. So if a Kitana engages this, now I'll say, now in general, we should never legislate three months by a Kitana. Why not? Why not? Kitana doesn't become pregnant. 
But what we begin to see is that we will legislate the need to wait three months in cases of Kitana when we feel that there are cases that you could confuse with Kidola. So therefore, again, in a case where a Kitana commits an act of Znus, we will go ahead and tell her to wait three months before she gets married, lest you confuse that with a case of Gidola. So the Gemara says, Umiga Zvinan, Kitana Mishum Gidola. But do we go ahead and are we gozer? A case of Kitana because of Gidola? In other words, do, do we legislate cases of the Kitana lest you come to confuse with the case of a Gidola? Fatanan, we learned, Im Hayu Kitano Shein Ruyos Leleid. If ultimately, again, we're talking about a situation of Kitanos, we both say, this is going back to our Mishnah. Go back to our Mishnah. Remember again, our Mishnah, two men married to women, everything gets mixed up. So now we discover who's married to who. Everyone is restored to their rightful spouse. So what do we learn? If the women in question were Kitanos, who are unable to become pregnant, we go ahead and what? Allow them to live with their husbands immediately. Meaning, no need for any type of three-month waiting period. So we'll say, so what do you see from here? You see from here that now, again, I would have thought that in this case, we should make Kitanos wait three months. Why? Why? Lest you come to confuse it with Kidolos, adult women. Yet we see that that's not the case. So says the Gemara, Amrav Gidol, Amrav, Horaas Shah Haisa. So what's listening to this? Rav Gidol is the name of Rav. It was a Horaas Shah. I was like, Horaas Shah means what? It was an extenuating circumstance and Chazal Paskind for extenuating circumstances. So they both say, so listen to this. So in other words, Rashi points out, So the idea of here is, sounds like this was an extenuating circumstance. So in this case, Chazal allowed for the minor girls to go back to their husbands without waiting. To which the Gemara says, So are you telling me that the case in the Mishnah is actually talking about a case that literally occurred, right? Because we'll say, the Mishnah doesn't sound that way, right? The Mishnah sounds like it's talking about a theoretical case. Tomorrow seems to be saying, now that we're talking about an actual case, really talking about an actual case, Ela kihoraz shahaisa. Rather says the Gimar, no, no, no. The case of the Mishnah is like a horasha. Meaning, what we'll say, this case in the Mishnah is such an uncommon case. So we'll say, you'll say to yourself, yeah, but we deal with a lot of uncommon cases. Say, so, it's interesting. so here's what's fascinating. Sometimes the Mishnah will put forward a case that is so out of left field, right? That it's just it's so uncommon that the truth is we feel like we don't need to legislate additional layers on top of it. This case of two couples and everybody's getting mixed up with who's married to who is such an uncommon case that Chazal did not feel the need to legislate in a case of Kitana. So I just want to share what's happening over here. Show what's happening over here. So the Gemara I'm sorry, that's the end. Because this, this, this getting mixed up with who's married to who, ultimately, again, is so uncommon that Chazal did not feel the need to legislate in the case of a Kitana. So let me frame what's happening over here. It was like, in a pure sense, Right? Should you have to wait? Should a katana have to wait three months between one relationship and another? No. no. Why not? She can't become pregnant. She can't become pregnant. In other words, it's pretty simple. What you begin to see, however, is that Chazal said, we want her to wait three months. When? When? 
in situations when there's a fear that you'll get mixed up between cases of a kitana and cases of a gedola. So for example, a kitana gets, gets divorced with a get. So what's the halacha? What's the halacha? Wait three months. Why? Because again, if you don't make her wait three months, you could get confused between the case of a kitana with a get and a gedola with a get. Yet, if a kitana ends a marriage with mion, does she have to wait three months? No, why not? Why not? Because only a kitana could do mion, right? There's no such thing as mion by a gedola, and therefore there's no real fear of confusion. Of confusion. So I was saying, I watch this. So therefore the Gemara says, I, but what about, what about the case in the Mishnah? Right, the case in the Mishnah is again, the case of everybody, everything getting mixed up. So the Mishnah says, normally the couples have to wait three months before resuming a normal, a, a normal, a normal intimate life together. Yet, if the two women in question were Kitanos, they can begin to live with their husbands immediately. I, why, why aren't we concerned that if you allow it by Kitanos, you may allow it by Gidolos, by, by adult women as well? To which the Gemara says, this is such an uncommon case. Right? This is such an uncommon case. This is so out of left field that Allah Chazal did not feel the need to legislate the additional layer of stringency. Lishnach, you know, another alternate version of this, Amr Le Amr Shmuel, Kulan Srikhaus Lahan Nashlosh Hadashim, Chutz Migiores, Umishukhraras Kedola. So we'll say an alternate version of the previous statement. Shmuel said, All women in general need to wait three months, except for a Gioras, a convert. An adult convert or an adult meshukhreras. Okay. Aval, ketana bas Yisrael, ena tzricha lahamten gimel chadashim. But ultimately, again, a minor Jewish girl does not have to wait three months. So b'may. I will say, what's the case? Iba miyun. So I'll say, if it's miyun. In other words, when doesn't a minor Jewish girl have to wait three months? So we're talking about miyun. Shmuel already mentioned this. This is what we said before. When a minor girl is dissolving a marriage based on Miyun, there's no need to wait three months. Why not? So first of all, B'metzis, you have to wait three months. Why? Why? She's a katana, not going to become pregnant. And there's no concern of confusion. Why? Because it's Miyun, right? And Miyun is a unique process by a katana. There, there is no parallel process or no, no, no comparable process by Gidola, to which the Gemara says, E beget, and if ultimately she's getting out of the marriage with a get, Ha Kamar Shmuel Debaila. Shmuel already said that what? She does require a get. To which the Gemara says, Damar Shmuel, Mirna Bo Ena Tzrichalahamta Shlosh Chadoshim, Nos on Loget Tzrichalahamta Shlosh Chadoshim. Ella Biznos. Rather, we must be talking about a case of Znos, and ultimately, again, that's going to be the case where ultimately, again, Right? If a, not, if a Jewish minor girl engages in an act of znos, she doesn't require three months. Right? Why not? Why are we not concerned for confusion? I will say again, we're not concerned for pregnancy. Why not? Why not? She's a kitana. But why wouldn't we be concerned about a mix-up between a case of a kitana who engages in znos and a gedola who engages in znos? To which the Gemara says, uznos lo It's uncommon for a minor girl to engage in an act of znos. So I'll say, you see this concept that by Mursa de lo shricha lo gazra be rabbanon, in totally uncommon cases, the rabbis don't feel the need to legislate. So the case of a kitana by znos, which again, she's a kitana, she's not becoming pregnant anyway, but the case of a kitana engaging in znos is such an uncommon case, Chazal did not feel the need to legislate. Incredible. So the Gemara says, 
Gioras Mishukraras, Tishiach Puznos, Ligzar. I will say, what about the case of Gioras Mishukraras? I must remember again, according to this version over here, right? Gioras Mishukraras do not require, do not require three months, do not require Avchana. But one second, by Gioras and Mishukraras, Znus is common. I will say, remember again, Znus isn't common once the woman, woman converts, but Znus is common before a woman converts. And certainly, again, a shifcha, right? Avadim and shvachas. So, so servants, maidservants, were known to be immoral. So before their emancipation, they become Jewish. Why aren't we concerned for znus? To which the Gemara says, Hudam Rekabiyosi, Disanya, listen to this. Hagiores vashvuya vashivcha shiniftu. Let's listen to this. If you have a woman who converted, or a shvuya, a woman who was taken captive and subsequently emancipated, or a shifcha, or a maidservant, who was redeemed? Vishenis Gairu, Vishenishtakru. So all of these women of Osai who converted, who were emancipated, who were freed. They must wait three months before either getting married or ultimately again resuming to live with their husbands. Nabosai, what's the Kamdanam later over here? Gioras woman before she was before she was Jewish is assumed to have engaged in immoral behavior. A woman who was taken captive is assumed to have been violated by her captors. A shifcha, a maidservant, is assumed to behave immorally. Therefore, when all of these people transition, either emancipated, freed, or conversion, need to wait three months so as to ascertain if they are pregnant or not. These are the words of Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Yossi says, no. They're permitted to get married immediately. No need to wait three months. Amarabba, my time is Rabbi Yossi. So I'll say, what's Rabbi Yossi's logic? So the Gemara says, Kasavar, Isha, Mizana, Mishameshes, Bemoch. Rabbi Yossi, listen to this. Rabbi Yossi says that women who are immoral, right now, Rabbi say now immoral doesn't apply to all of these cases. Remember, the woman who's captive is not immoral, right? The woman who's captive is being, is being violated. But Rabbi Yossi says, essentially, Whenever a woman is having relations outside of the context of marriage, the assumption is she's using a moch. We will say moch essentially means a form of birth control. Mm-hmm. Right? We, we assume that she does not want to become pregnant and she's going ahead and taking steps. So I will say it's interesting. The concept of moch in, in, in Gemara is used in one of two ways. Right? Moch could either be something that she inserts prior to relations, almost again as a form of blockage, to prevent pregnancy, or it's interesting, although I, I, it's not, it would not appear to be a very effective form of birth control, is that the use of some type of absorbent, absorbent material after relations, so as to absorb the zera, the second would seem to be much less effective than the first. But nevertheless, again, the idea over here is these women employ some form of birth control in order to ensure that they do not become pregnant, right? Because no one wants to become pregnant from immorality. The shvuya does not want to become pregnant by, becoming, by, by being violated by her captors. So Rabbi says, because all of these women employ some form of birth control, therefore there is no need to go ahead and wait three months. So I understand the case of Gioras. Right? Because in the case of Gioras, maybe she has a mind to convert, but she's still not Jewish, so perhaps she's still engaging in whatever forms of behavior she's engaging in, but she takes steps in order to ensure that she's not pregnant. 
Similarly, again, Shvuya v'shivcha nami t'shami mimaraihu mintri nafshayhu. But listen to this: the woman who is captive and the maidservant also. What do they hear? They often hear from their captors that their captors have plans to, or captor slash master, to emancipate them, to free them, to emancipate them. And as we will say, it's a very profound yisod, right? The shvuya. So we'll say, a woman who's taken captive. The idea is she doesn't resign herself to her fate. So she knows that maybe at some point in time she will be released from captivity. The shivcha, the maidservant, doesn't resign herself to being a shivcha. She knows that sometimes, ultimately, again, her master will emancipate her. And therefore what? And therefore, mintiri nafshayhu. Therefore, they go ahead and they guard themselves. Guard themselves from what? From becoming pregnant. I will say, by the way, what, what a profound metaphor. What a profound metaphor. That sometimes even a person who's captive even though sometimes I don't really see how I'm going to get out of my captivity, mintiri nafshayhu, a person guards their neshama. They will say, none of us are perfect, and we often engage in behaviors that we know that we should not be engaging in. But you know what's interesting about people, about us, is that we often have that line, right, that we'll never cross. I'll do a whole bunch of things up until that line. But there's that line, that, that I won't do. That I won't do. We'll say, why is it that people have their line? Because at the end of the day, mintri nafshayhu. What I never want to do is engage in behavior that I feel pushes me past the point of no return. Right? I'll push the envelope and I'll do things that I know that are wrong, but not so wrong. Right? And we'll say that line varies from person to person. Right? But it's interesting. Everyone has the things that they'll do that I know are wrong, but I also have the things that I'll never do because that's just too far, because no matter how much of a shvuya or how much of a shivcha I may be, mintari nafshayhu, the Jew never fully gives up on themselves. So I'll draw that line somewhere. Of course, our goal in life is to move that line further and further back towards the range of that which is permitted, but it is an incredible yisod. No matter how far we fall, there's always the thing I won't do. Why? Mintari nafshayhu. Because I can't totally give up on my ruchniyus. I can't totally give up on my holiness. Holiness. I have to try to preserve something because there's always the possibility that I may be freed in the future. Such an incredible yisod. Ella, so the Gemara says, so what's the case? What's the case? Ella, what about the case of a maidservant who goes out, remember again, if the master knocks out her tooth or her eye. We will say, so remember again, a maidservant goes free. A maidservant goes free. In that case, she could not have anticipated or planned for that, to which the Gemara says, Any time where emancipation is kind of sudden, Rabbi Yossi would agree that she does have to wait three months, to which the Gemara says, even by the case of the woman who is violated or the woman who is seduced, Rabbi Huda says you have to wait three months. Rabbi Yossi says you, have to, you can get married you can, immediately, which indicates that even in what we'll call unanticipated circumstances like violation, Rabbi Yossi holds you don't have to wait. Abaye says like this, Isha Mizana, as soon as a woman will say, now here he's using the word Mizana, which is whenever a woman has relations outside of the marital context. So I will say, what we said before is that when a woman is mizana, if she's mizana in a premeditated fashion, then what? What, what happens? We assume that what a contrabiosi, she uses birth control. She uses the moch. She uses right that, uh, that, that either that barrier or that post-relations method. 
but she prevents herself from getting pregnant. Rabbi Yossi says, even in a case where a woman engages in the act of relations and it wasn't premeditated, wasn't premeditated could mean that Allah says she was violated or she was seduced. In that case, then what? Ultimately, Rabbi Yossi says, Isha misapeches shalot literally means turns over. Turns over. Now, what does that mean? So once again, it doesn't appear to be a very effective form of birth control. But Lamaisa, if after the act of relations, she stands up, right, for a prolonged period of time, what happens? Gravity does its work and prevents the zera ultimately, again, from impregnating. Again, like I said, I, I don't know the probability of how effective such a method is, but ultimately, again, that's what would happen. Obviously, it must be effective enough if Rabiosi, I don't know, maybe she jumps up and down, right? You know, so Rabiosi seeing that halacha lamaisa, it's effective enough to allow her to get remarried, and it's a form of birth control that ultimately could be used even in a non premeditated state. So the Gemara says, Idach, the other opinion of Yehuda will say, So Rabbi Yehuda will say, well, maybe she didn't jump up and down enough. In other words, that, that Lamaisa, because, because that is a post-relations form of birth control and not a premeditated form, we're just concerned that it's not effective enough. So Rabbi say, I'll just point out to you over here, interesting for say this din of waiting three months is a very important halacha that comes up all the time, all the time, when a woman, again, I will say, it's any case, it's any case, a woman was divorced, a woman was widowed, right? Let's say we know that a woman did have relations with someone. So what's the halacha by Avchana? So I will say, so the halacha is, sorry, the Rambam Paskins, actually the Shukhanar Paskins, the same way. Just Rambam writes it a little bit more in a, in a prolonged fashion. Rambam Hilchos Gerishin, Perek Yud Aleph, Halachos Chaf, Chaf Aleph, and Chaf Beis. Which is Rabbi Osei, Gzeras Chachamim hi, Sha'afilu Isha She'ena Ru'ya Leilet, Afilu Nizgar She'ol Nizalam and Ha'erusin, Tzricha Lahamtin Tishim Yom. Rabbi Osei, Chazal made a blanket Gzeira, that ultimately, again, whether you are widowed or divorced, you have to wait 90 days. And this is true, by the way, even if a woman is, is, is let's say, we'll say, a woman is widowed at the age of 90. 90, Kenai Nahara. But she met someone. Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. So we'll say, and she met someone at the Leviah, for argument's sake. Don't, don't judge, don't judge. I will say, so now again, when you're 90, Mama, she would like to move things along a little bit, right? So Lamai say, again, she's, she's going to want to wait till the end of Shiva, right? But Lamai said, at the end of Shiva already, she's got plans. We tell her, sorry, you have to wait 90 days. That's how Lachar Abosai. She says, really? Really? Right? 90 years old. There's not exactly any concern, ultimately, of pregnancy in this case. So Lamai say, again, Abosai, that's the, that's, that's the Takanas Chazal. Chazal said, you have to wait 90 days between marriages, even to the point of say, let's say a woman was widowed from Erison. So husband and wife never even lived together. But she was widowed from Erison. Halacha lamaisa, we, we wait 90 days. Similarly, shifcha shinishtachrera, if you have an emancipated shifcha, or a woman who converts, wait 90 days. Rabosai, there is one exception to the 90-day rule. Take a guess, what is it? Mion avekitana. Hamima enes, say the one exception to the 90-day rule is if you have a ketana who does miyun, there's no need for 90 days. Ultimately, again, why? Because remember, no one she's a ketana, she's not pregnant, and it's miyun. So I will say, this case essentially is so removed from the takana of chazal that it just doesn't apply. But again, 
if you were to divorce, to divorce a Kitana wife with a get, then what? Would require 90 days. So again, 90 days is just the, the mandated waiting period between one relationship and another, even if we, have, we know that there's no pregnancy. Nevertheless, you have to wait. Only exception, miyun bai getana. Beautiful. But we'll say back to the Gemara. So we'll say, so remember again, the Mishnah said, the Mishnah said that if the two women in question were kohanos, what's that? Locha truma. They can't eat truma. Says the Gemara. One second, what's going on over here? So the Gemara says, kohanos in Yisraelios, Yisrael is low. Eman hayun noshe kohanim. So what it means to say is that Allah if they are wives of kohanim, because ultimately, again, they did have relations with another man. Halach l'may said they can't eat truma anymore. To which the Gemara says, Neshei Kohanim in, Neshei Yisraelim lo. So I will say, so again, why is it only if there are wives of Kohanim? What if there are wives of Yisraelim? V'amr of Amram, Hamil Samal Rav Sheishes, V'anjrinhu, V'anharinhu, L'aynon Mimas Nisim. Eishes Yisrael Shenensa, Afa Pishim, Uteres Labayla, Pesula Lekuhuna. We'll say, if ultimately, again, you have the wife of a Jewish man in Yisrael, if she was violated, she's still permitted to her husband, but she is asura to a Kohen. In other words, if her husband were to subsequently pass away, she would not be permitted to go out and marry a, marry a Kohen. Amarav Aki that's what it means to say. Em hayu kohanos nesuas li Yisrael, nifsilu minatruma debein ashya. The boss of the Mishnah means to say is like this. If you have two, right, so let's go back to our case of our Mishnah. Reuven and Shemun are married to Rachel and Leah. And remember, now we have the whole mix-up. We have the whole mix-up. So now again, what happened? It turns out, it turns out that Ruvain had relations with Leah, Shimon had relations with Rachel, a whole mess. Now, we, now it whole, the whole thing turns out they're both restored to their respective husbands. Everything is fine, right? Everything is fine, except, let's say Rachel and Leah, the sisters, were the daughter of a Kohen. Now both say, let's say Reuven and Shimon pass away, pass away, and Rachel and Leah now go back to their father's home. We'll say the halacha normally is that if a Bas Kohen marries Yisrael, right, when she marries her, she can no longer eat truma. But if her husband passes away without children, she's permitted to go back to her father's home and eat truma. In this case, Rachel and Leah would not be permitted to eat truma. Why? Because effectively, the Gabe Kahuna, they each committed an act of adultery or an act of znus. And once you commit an act of znus, ultimately, again, you are precluded from consuming truma. That's what it means, if they were the daughters of Kohanim and their husbands died without children, once again, whereas normally they were permitted to go back to their father's home and consume truma, in this case, they would be precluded from doing so. But let's say, Hajjun Allah Arba Achin Mazotov, Lamedhem and Beis. Hacholis Livin Tovenim says, Mu'ubaras, it was a very interesting case. Let's say a man does Chalisa with his Yivama. And it turns out that she's pregnant. So we'll say, now watch this case. This is really fascinating. So remember again, a simple case. Reuven and Shimon are brothers. What happens? Reuven passes away. We'll say, right, no co-wives, no sisters, no this. Right, Shimon's single. Shimon's single. Right, so Reuven passes away. Shimon goes ahead and he does chalitza. But it turns out that what? It turns out that what? Hacholis li'evim. Do I say, does chalitza with Rachel? With Rachel. And it turns out that Rachel is pregnant. Rachel's pregnant. So I will say, Vyalda, and she gives birth. Bizman shavlad shal kayama. So I will say, so now it turns out that she gives birth. So therefore, it turns out, what was the status of the Chalitza? Nothing. Nothing, nothing right? In other words, it, it was not, it's not, you, it's not, I will say, you can't even say the word invalid, right? Why can't you say the word invalid? It's not shaykh to Chalitza, right? It's no different than you go over to a woman on the street and say, hey, let's do Chalitza. Besides the fact that it's weird, right? It, it also, it also what? It also, by the way, and, and, and 
highly unadvisable, right? They're highly unadvisable. They will say, but the mice again, it's irrelevant. In other words, it, it, it's, it's nothing. It's nothing. So when Shimon does chalitza with his sister-in-law, and it turns out that she was pregnant, it's nothing. And therefore, I will say, what? Therefore, I will say, ultimately, again, they're also permitted to marry each other's relatives. So, for example, I will say, let's say Rachel has a sister, Leah. Right? So, remember again, remember again, I will say, you're not allowed to marry Achos Chalutzaso. Right? You can't marry the sister of the woman with whom you did Chalitza. You can't marry her. In this case, where Shimon did Chalitza with Rachel, but it turns out that Rachel was pregnant, and she gives birth, Baruch Hashem, to a healthy baby, so Shimon is permitted to marry Rachel's sister. Why? Because Rachel's sister is not Achot's Chalutzaso. There's no relationship there. Similarly, again, Rachel can marry Shimon's relatives. So the Gemara says, and ultimately, again, that chalitza, that chalitza does not passel Rachel from the Kuna. Because we'll say, normally, again, a chalitza cannot marry a coin. Why? Why? She's kind of like a grusha. A grusha, beautiful. So we'll say, so essentially, case number one is, you end up doing chalitza with your sister-in-law who's pregnant, right? You didn't realize she was pregnant at the time. And she gives birth to a healthy baby, Baruch Hashem. The chalitza is meaningless. She does not have the status of a chalitza. You can marry her relative. She can marry your relatives in Shalom al-Yisrael. What happens if chas v'shalom ina vlad shal kayama? Let's say she gives birth, but the baby passes away. And I will say, ina vlad shal kayama essentially would be a case, let's say the baby is, uh, is unfortunately a stillborn or the baby passes away within 30 days. In general, I say, we say that a baby born within 30 days Passed away within 30 days is a Vlad Shailen Shakayama. It was an unsustainable. If that's the halacha is, we don't normally sit Shiva for a baby that passes away within 30 days. Again, there are exceptions to that rule. But Lamaisa, let's say she gives birth. And again, it's not, it's not a viable baby. So we'll say, so in that case, here's what's interesting. Who Upsuna So we'll say, in that case, he can't marry her relatives. She can't marry his relatives, and she is pulsa from the kuna, which sounds like it's saying what? Sounds like it's saying what? Good chalitza. Ex post facto, right? Retroactively, the chalitza worked. In other words, because it turns out, it turned out that she gave birth to a non-viable baby, which means that halacha lamaisa, she needs chalitza. Now, I, you did the chalitza a little prematurely, but lamaisa, again, the chalitza works. The chalitza works. Hakoni says, he didn't do it So I was saying that, listen to this case. Case number two is, you did Yibom. You did Yibom. And I was say, what, ha- what happens? And it turns out that the woman with whom you did Yibom is pregnant. So what's the halacha? The Yalda. And then she gives right. I was saying, now obviously we're talking about a case where it's clear that what? The pregnancy was from the deceased brother. Right? That must be the case. Right? The pregnancy, we know for sure that it's, it's Ruvain's it's Ruvain's baby. It's Ruvain's baby. So I say, so what happens? But Shimon did Yibo. Shimon did Yibo. Bialda, she gives birth. So I say, so remember again, everything now depends on the viability of the baby. Bizman Shavlat Shalkayama, if she gives birth to a healthy baby, so it turns out that what? It turns out that what? Ruvain, the deceased brother, has a child, Yotzi. So they have to get divorced. They have to get divorced. Right? Why do they have to get divorced? Because Lamais, again, it's adultery. Not, not adultery, but it's Eshesach. It's Eshesach, it's an erva. So they have to get divorced. And 
And by the way, they have to bring a chatos. Right? We have to bring a chatos because again, inadvertently, but they committed an araya. They committed one of the arayas. They may love lot, but however, again, if the child's not viable, child's not viable. Then ultimately, again, Shimon is permitted to remain married to Rachel. Safek ben Tishla Rishon ben Safek ben Shivla Achron. But I will say, here's an interesting case. What happens if she gives birth? And we'll discuss this more in depth. And we're not sure. Is this a nine-month pregnancy from Ruvain? Or is it a baby, a premature baby, seven-month, seven-month baby from Shimon? We're not sure. We're not sure. What's the Yotzi. So ultimately, they have to get divorced. And they have to get divorced because Lamaise, again, you cannot remain married to a woman where there is a Suffolk Arias. Ultimately, Bavlad Kosher. Rabbi says it's fascinating. We will not go ahead and make the child a Suffolk Mamzer, right? Suffolk Arias, right? We call Suffolk Mamzer. Rabbi say, why not? We're going to see there's no such thing as a Suffolk Mamzer, right? Mamzer is a Vadai status. Either you are a Mamzer or you're not a Mamzer. Right, so I'm say there's no suffix, mom. So again, we'll get into this. So ultimately, as much as we force the couple to divorce because of suffix, the child is kasher. And they have to bring an asham taloi. We'll say asham taloi is the carbon that's brought when you may or may not have violated a serious infraction. Good. Let's analyze. We'll say we learned. We'll say let's say did chalitza. So we'll say so now this is an interesting little bit of a variation of the previous case. So we'll say Reuven and Shimon, two brothers, Reuven's married to Rachel. Good, that's the case. Reuven passes away, now Rachel falls to Shimon. Shimon does chalitza, but he does chalitza, turns out Rachel was pregnant. Rachel was pregnant, but Rachel miscarries. Rachel miscarries. So I'll say, so what's the shayla? What's the shayla? Does Shimon have to do yibam, sorry, chalitza again? Or did the chalitza that he did suffice? Rabbi Yochanan says, she doesn't, Rachel does not require another chalitza. The chalitza done during pregnancy works. Rishlagish says, no, she needs another chalitza. Let's analyze. Rabbi Yochanan says, she doesn't need another chalitza. Why not? Rabbi Yochanan says, chalitza and yibum done with a pregnant woman work. Now I'll say, just to be clear, when he says chalitza done with a pregnant or yibum done with a pregnant woman, what's the end of that sentence? And what? And what? And she miscarries, right? And she miscarries. That, that, that's the case we're talking about over here, right? Where the chalitza yibum was done when she was pregnant, but she subsequently miscarries. Rabbi Yochanan says it works. It works. You don't have to do another yibum, another chalitza. says no. chalitza min chalitza lo shma chalitza lo shma so I will say, it's a fundamental machlokis. Rosh Hashanah say, no, chalitza done to a pregnant woman doesn't work. Or yibum done to a pregnant woman doesn't work. So my commitment is, what's the machlokis? It's incredible. Iba yisim, akrabi yisim, svara. So I will say, it could be that they're arguing about a pasik, or they're arguing about svara. Watch this. Iba yisim, svara. If you want to say they're arguing on svara, Rabbi Yochanan says, listen to this. Rabbi Yochanan says like this. Im yavo ilio. I'll say, incredible. Im yavo ilio v'yomar. So this. Tell me, if Eliyahu were to come and tell you that Rachel is going to miscarry, right? Would we not allow Yibam and Chalitza to occur? So so too again, when she miscarries, retroactively, it's shown that what? 
that Allah said works. They both say, so to Yossi, Rabbi Yochanan essentially is saying is like this. Love dafka that we're going to say, you should do yibum or chalitza with a pregnant woman. No one's advocating for that. But Rabbi Yochanan is saying, ex post facto, it works. It works. Why? Because Lamaise, it turns out that she, she, did not, she, did not, she, she did not give birth to a viable baby. And therefore, halach Lamaisa, there's no reason why it should not work retroactively. In the Svara world, in the Svara world, it's a machlokis about retroactivity. Rabbi Yochanan holds retroactivity works, Rish Lakish holds retroactivity does not work. That's the Svara. Vibai Semakra. The other possibility is it's a Pasek. Rabbi Yochanan listen to this. Rabbi Yochanan Sarah, Ubein, Ein, Lo, Om, Rachmano, Vahal, Lesley. Rabbi Yochanan will say, When is Yibam and Chalitza Shaykh? Bein, Ein, Lo. Bein, Ein, Lo means what? Bein, Lo means what? Doesn't have a child. Rabbi Yochanan, tell me, does Ruben have a child in this case? And the answer is, no. No. She doesn't have a child. Therefore, Yibam and Chalitza works, even if now she's pregnant. Veish, Lagish, Savar, Ubein, Ein, Lo, Ayin, Alav. Bein, Ein, Lo. Remember again, Ein is written Malay with a Yud. Ayein. Ayein means investigate the matter. And therefore, if she's pregnant, if she's pregnant, you don't know whether or not Ruben is going to have a kid. And therefore, what? Wait. And anything you do during that Ayein investigative period is going to be invalid. And therefore, Allah will require Yibam Rechalitza a second time. To which the Gimar says, Rabbi Yochanan Rishlakish. You do Yibum or Chalitza with, with Rachel when she is pregnant. Does it work? Rabbi Yochanan says yes. Reish Lakish says no. So let's analyze. Rabbi Yochanan is Kashan Reish Lakish. Here we go. If from the Mishnah, right? So again, in the Mishnah's case, a person did Chalitza with, right? Shimon did Chalitza with Rachel, and Rachel gives birth. If the baby is not viable, who also bikrovov seha via sura bikrovov, ultimately again, then what? Then the chalitza worked. She is usher to his relatives. He is usher to her relatives. Upasal minakuna. So Rabbi Yochanan says, Bishlamu ladidi da amina chalitza smu bereshma chalitza mishum halki pasla. Rabbi Yochanan says the Mishnah makes sense according to me. Why? Because we'll say the Mishnah says pretty explicitly that the chalitza works. That's why Allah chalamaisa Shimon can't marry Rachel's relatives. Rachel can't marry Shimon's relatives. Ella, both say first wide line. Ella lididach damet chalitza mubaris lo shma chalitza. My pasla minakuna. But according to Rish Lakish who says that Chalitza with a pregnant woman does not work, why should Rachel be psula for marrying to the kahuna? Right? She's a widow. She's a widow. The Chalitza shouldn't work. Armalei, to which Reish Lakish will say, Midrabanon ulochumra ba'alma. You're right. You're right. Really, Midaraisa, Chalitza with a Mubaris doesn't work, has no impact on this woman, and therefore, Allah Chalamai says, she's muteris to the kahuna. We make her also to the kahuna, also chumra dirabanon. Ikadamri, others say, Isri, Rishlakish, Rabbi Yochanan, Rishlakish, Rabbi Yochanan, Ein Havlat Shal Kayama, if the baby is not viable, who also Vikrovov Sehal, the also Vikrovov. So ultimately, the Mishnah said, he can't marry her relatives, she can't marry his relatives, Upasla Minakuna. And ultimately, again, she is not allowed to marry to the Kuna. So says Rishlakish, Bishlam Alididi, Damina Chalitza, Smubaris, Loshma Chalitza, Hainu Diktani, Pasla Minakuna, Lechumra, so according to me, it makes sense that she is psula ultimately to the kahuna, right? Why? Because it's a chumrah, but yet the Mishnah does not say she requires another chalitza. 
But according to you, Mishnah should say that she does not require chalitza from the brothers. That's true. According to Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan will say ultimately again, it's just coming to go ahead and maintain Mishnaic symmetry. So we'll say, we'll stop over here for today. We're just going to pick up, so just understand, we're leaving off in the middle of this fundamental machlokes. So it's between Rabbi Yochanan and Rish Lakish. Namely, a person does chalitza with a sister-in-law, right? Shimon does chalitza with Rachel and she's pregnant. So I'm going to say, but she miscarries. She miscarries. So was that an appropriate chalitza or not? Rabbi Yochanan saying yes, Halach Lamais it works. Reish Lakish saying no, it does not work. We'll again resolve that. We'll see the same answer in the Halach Lamais tomorrow. Shkoyach.